All right, let's take it from the top. If you give me about two minutes, I need to just do something real quick, and then we can keep rocking and rolling. Worship a great God. Amen. Amen. If you have your own copy of God's Word, we are in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, picking up where we left off last week. I don't know where his sermon notes went from last week. I had a red pen. I was going to go over some things. Uh, we are in Galatians chapter 4. Uh, let's, let's look to our passage together, verse 12 to 20. I'll read aloud for us and let's all follow along in our hearts. Galatians 4, verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. Not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. For I am perplexed about you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the parts which bring us great joy and encouragement. And we thank you for the parts that show in us things that we must surrender to you. Lord, I pray that as we spend time examining this section of your word, that your son Jesus Christ would be formed in all of us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So I have two children. My youngest is my son. Marty, and my oldest is my daughter, Josie. Now, M- Marty, we have a picture of him with his mouth covered in dark sand and his shirt all covered with slobber and sand, and he's crying. And you would think he'd be crying because he's got 
sand in his mouth. But no, he's crying because we made him stop eating sand. That's why he's crying. His older sister, she was just a few months old. She didn't have any teeth in her head. And I remember she found a stink bug and picked it up and was trying to gum the thing down. And so I reached in and got it out, and she started bawling. Not because she had the taste of stink bug in her mouth, but because I took away that stink bug that she was enjoying. And, of course, I was a brand-new father, and, and I was really worried, and I don't know what stink bugs have in them that make them stinky. So I called poison control, and they said she's fine, and they probably get calls like that all the time. But... <laughs> When we love our children and they try to ingest garbage, we stop them from ingesting garbage because we love them. Even if eating dirt and eating insects brings them happiness, we stop it anyways because we love them. And as we look at our passage today, the Apostle Paul is looking at these Galatian believers almost as if they are precious children to him. He calls them little children. And yet, he takes a stern tone with them. The things that he says to them are not going to immediately make them happy. He has hard things to say to them. But when you love precious and wayward children, you bring them back to the right way. And that's what he's doing. So let's look again at verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Now I want to just give a little bit of context here. Throughout This passage, we'll we'll see him talking about them, and they do this. He's talking about a group of people called the Judaizers, and and we see them throughout Galatians. Just as a reminder, these Judaizers were people uh, who were coming into a primarily Gentile church of believers and saying, hey, you've got to go back to the Old Testament law. That's what we've been doing because they were, they were Hebrew people. You've got to come back to the Old Testament law and you've got to do all of these things. You've got to observe weeks and festivals and, and particularly you, you've got to all be circumcised. And we know that's weird, but you've got to be circumcised. And I don't know if the deacons were there hey, going, hey, you've got to see us after church. We've got important business to take care of. I don't know. But they were coming in and they were saying, You've got to do all of this stuff or you're not right with God. Can you imagine people coming in? And these are young believers. And these are people going, oh, well, they're Hebrews. They've got a, they're saying they follow the same God that we just have learned about. And I guess, I guess we got to go with them. And and so they, they take this hook, line, and sinker. They fall for this false teaching that they have to go back to the old law and do all of these things or they're not right with God. Let's look back, if you turn back a page or two, to Galatians 2, verse 15. Galatians two fifteen. 
We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one, no one will be justified. So that's what they're dealing with. And when Paul says to them, brothers, uh, I'm begging you, become like I am because I've been like you are. He is urging them to leave this legalism and step into freedom in Christ. He's saying, I am living my life basking in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am living my life in the freedom of knowing that Jesus has paid my debt on the cross. Be like me, because I've been where you are. And he, he tells them, he says, I'm a Jew. I, I, I grew up like the people that have been deceiving you. And, and I did all the law. I kept it as best as I could. And I, my best was pretty good. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was a Pharisee, okay? That's like special forces Jewish, okay? I did it all. And it did not grant me freedom, the freedom in Christ that I'm enjoying now. So when he says, become as I am, for I also have become as you are, he's saying, I have been there. Step into the freedom of the grace of Jesus Christ. Not only has Paul experienced the weight and the bondage of legalism, and when you experience that weight, that bondage, and to go, I don't want anybody else to go through that, walking through life as if the, the wrath of God might just fall on your head. Not only is he trying to keep them from this pain, this weight, this bondage, but he's experienced the glorious freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you experience something so good, you want the people that you care about, the people that you love, to experience those things. And it's clear in this passage, even though it might not have seemed that way to them in other parts, it is clear in how he's speaking to them here that he does love and care about them. He wants them to experience that glorious freedom in Jesus Christ. Think of our first song that we sang. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God has won the victory. Live in that. Don't live in the bondage of the law. Saying, I won't be right with God if I don't do A, B, C. And no, I, he's just going to be mad at me. if I, Oh, I forgot to read my Bible today. Oh, man, I, I better figure something out or Jesus will stop loving me. Don't live like that. Live in light of the God who has opened the prison doors for you, who has won the victory. So he goes from saying this, imploring them to become like him, to step into freedom, to now reflecting back 
on a shared memory with them. Let's pick up at the end of verse 12. You did me no wrong. Verse 13, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Paul here is is showing gratitude for the love of his Christian brothers and sisters. He's remembering how they received him in his weakness. You never forget how people treat you when you're down, do you? Someone kicks you when you're down, you're going to remember that. When someone has seen an exposed weakness in you, when they've seen you in an unflattering light, when you've become a burden to them in some way, and they've stayed by you and cared for you. You're going to remember that. I'd like to quote uh, some words to you from a less scholarly source than I typically go to. This is from George Strait. It says, Oh, you know me better than that. You know the me that gets lazy and fat. How moody I can be, all my insecurities. You've seen me lose all my charm. You know I was raised on a farm. She tells her friends I'm perfect and that I love her cat, but you know me better than that. You never forget how people treat you who've seen you in your weakness. So what is his weakness he's talking about here? Well, in Acts chapter 14, we see that, excuse me, we see that Paul has been stoned and left for dead. And that certainly would have caused several (laughs) bodily ailments and he winds up spending some time in Galatia going to, to several places there, sharing the gospel. And it seems to be that's what he's referring to here. And, and particularly the injury that it seems like he would be referencing would be his eyesight. If you can't see, people are having to help you around. They're having to guide you. You know, you, you've almost got to be a little bit babysat there. And, and Paul is reflecting on that frightening feeling of, of not being able to see and how well they cared for him in that moment. And, and that would make sense with verse 15 where he talks about they would take out their own eyes and give them to him if they could. Uh, some people would, would even reference there in uh, Galatians six eleven, see what large letters I am writing to you with my own hands that he would have had to write big because he couldn't see very well. It, and even this eyesight problem certainly could be the thorn in his flesh that he refers to in 2 Corinthians 12. We don't know, but whatever the case may be, Paul was down. He was not at his best. He was experiencing some sort of bodily ailment, and they cared for him. This isn't just, hey, I've been pretty hard on the Galatians. Let me throw them something nice. It's not a small thing to reflect on the love that they would have greeted him with. It's the mark of a true Christian to see how they love and care for other Christians. Jesus says in John 13, 35, listen to the words of our Savior here. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So they'll know that you're my disciples by the fact that you wear a tie. 
to church. And, and when you go out to eat afterwards, people can see you and go, oh, they came from church. That's how they'll know you're a Christian. No, that's not what it says. They'll know you're a Christian by your love for others, particularly your love for the rest of God's people. When Paul gathered with the Galatian church, he was received warmly and respectfully. He says, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Well, as an angel of God, some people say, well, you know, this word angel in the original Greek here, it it could just mean he's a messenger and they recognize he's bringing a message from the Lord. But there seems to be a little bit more here, especially adding received as Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13.2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So when you care for people, when you show them hospitality and love, treat them as if you're doing these things for some kind of a great, mighty, celestial being. Treat them with that kind of dignity, care that you would. He said, you've received me as Christ Jesus. Think of the words of Jesus here. Matthew 25, he says... When you see someone who's hungry and you feed them, when, when you see someone who is naked and you clothe them, when you did these things for the least of these, people who were suffering, people who were impoverished, when you served those people, you were directly serving me, your Savior. It boils down to this. The Galatian Christians could not have welcomed Paul with any more love, dignity, respect, hospitality, compassion than they did when he was there. And so after he reflects on this wonderful memory of his time with the Galatians and how much they cared for him, in verse 16 he says, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Why are they no longer treating him with that same Christian love? Why are they thinking of him now as their enemy? He's only told them the truth out of his love for them. This is something our culture has lost track of. That when you love someone for real, when you care for them for real, you will tell them the hard things if it's good for them. So who loves you more? Which friend is a better friend? The friend who will go along with you and enjoy crystal meth right at your side as your buddy? Or your friend that will flush your stash and tell you to get help? Well, I can tell you which friend you're going to be the least happy with if that's where you're at in life. But the second one is the better friend, isn't he? In verse 17, he directly references the Judaizers that have been deceiving the Galatians. He says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. You see here that this legalism has been luring them, enticing them, seducing them in. And we see this happening today as we... Look around us, we see people who are, are pulled in the opposite direction. They're pulled in the direction of what, what you would call licentiousness. Legalism on one side, licentiousness on the other side. Um, licentiousness being, be, 
being able to just do whatever you want, and uh, it's fine. I'm fine. I can just live however I want to live, believe whatever I want to believe. We see people pulled in that direction. We see people that once professed Christ, that we would have thought as, of as brothers and sisters, and we see that they've left the church, they've left the faith, they've left the true gospel, and it scares us when we see that. And so we dig our heels in, and we say, no, I will not be moved from the true gospel. I will not be led away and enticed by the enemy. The enemy will identify this righteous resolve in us. And he will say, oh, you're so spiritual. You're so godly. But take it to the next level. If God has commanded one, two, three, then you need to do four, five, six for sure. Take it one step further. What starts as a resolve to draw near to the Lord and do his will results in Jesus saying, you are far from me. Matthew 15, 8 to 9, Jesus would say of the Pharisees, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I heard a story just this weekend of someone who was sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus Christ to a waitress. And the waitress said, yeah, you know, I was at a church when I was a teenager and I had purple hair and piercings in my face and they asked me not to come back. That's what we're talking about here. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. It's not okay. It hurts people. Often when we think of this licentiousness, liberalism, and we think of legalism, we say, oh, well, legalism is better than that. It's safer than that. And we're better safe than sorry. But when it comes to people spreading legalism, you can't say better safe than sorry. Because when it comes to legalism... No one is safe, and we'd better be sorry. These people have been led astray by these Judaizers. It seems that these people have come in with flattery, with the illusion that they are there for the good of the Galatian people. It's kind of like how a parent would love and cherish their child And set rules and boundaries in place that the child will resent to keep them from harm. And then some idiot friend comes along and says, hey, come with me. I'm throwing my life away. Throw your life away with me. And that friend would be perceived as someone who is more for the good of that child. That's what's happening here. Paul is speaking to them sternly, saying, you are accepting something that is a different gospel. You've been led astray by a different gospel. I'm telling you this not because I hate you and want you to feel terrible 
I'm telling you this because I love you and I want you to truly experience the freedom in Christ. Verse 18 and 19 say, It is good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Paul's saying, look, I've labored over your salvation once before. I have labored over it and brought you the gospel. And now I'm painfully going back and giving you the gospel all over again because you've been deceived into believing another gospel. And he's willing to keep at it until the wonderful grace of Jesus truly sinks in and becomes real for this, for them. He says in verse 20, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. You don't want to do things for your children that are going to upset them and take away their happiness, but you have to. You have to be stern when they're in danger, and Paul doesn't want to be stern with the Galatians. He doesn't want to be harsh with them. They're as precious to him as children but he doesn't know what else to do with them other than urging them out of their error with a great sense of urgency. And that's how we should behave when someone that we love and see as a brother or sister in Christ is dabbling in legalism. Now, there's, there's a, a sense in which we are very quick if a brother or sister were, were to say something on the other side of things, uh, some, some sort of licentiousness, we're, we're quick to say, hey, no, that's not the gospel. But we're pretty hands-off when it comes to someone who's beginning to dabble in legalism. But if a brother or sister is leaning towards legalism, if a brother or sister begins to say things like, oh, Man, you're not really a Christian if you go to the movies, are you? Don't listen to that pastor. He, he quotes George Strait in his sermons. <laughs> when someone would say, hey, that person needs to leave. They've got purple hair and piercings in their face. We can't have them here at church. We rebuke the damnable heresy of legalism. Because God's word is the standard. And we won't stand for a different gospel because we love people. Because we don't want someone to be hurt by a different gospel. So here's our takeaway. As Christians, we, we have a strong bond of love with one another. We, we lean on one another in our weakness. We pray for each other. We care for each other in weakness. And sometimes, caring for someone means saying the hard things, like calling one another out of legalism, which is another gospel. We don't err on the side of legalism. We don't play with it. We don't allow it in our lives. You know the gospel, once for all, handed down to the saints. So let's live in the freedom of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your great and mighty grace. We thank you for giving us the gift of your church. That this isn't a place where we 
happen to sit in the same general area and, and hear a sermon, but this is a place where, where we are gathered with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are accountable to you and to one another to care for each other. And I pray that we would always do so. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.